when I play a game, it's I used to, I used to tell my soccer kids, I, I coach soccer, it's not whether you win or lose, it's what you get for snacks. And, you know, as I said, any game you go into to win, you know, only to win, at least half the time, probably more, is not, it's not going to be good. Right. Go into a game to have fun, you're always coming out a winner. This week on the Play Ed Podcast, we complete our interview with the designers of ancient civilizations of the inner sea. Welcome to the Play Ed Podcast, where we explore cultivating connections through play. Hello and welcome to the Play Ed Podcast. I am your host, Laura, flying solo today, and we are here to explore cultivating connections through play. I'll keep it short and easy for you all. Last week, we played the first half of our Labor Day interview with the developers for Ancient Civilizations of the Inner Sea. Today, you get to hear the second half. I am so excited for you all. There are so many fun stories in this week's episode. Um, my personal favorite is they go into the Aeneas rule. There's a great story that we teased last week about um, Mark's uh, experience playing at a convention with a 12-year-old at the table. And in fact, there's a lot of convention tales in this episode. I won't hold you all any longer. Look forward to you all listening to this. And now, the completion of our interview with the developers of ACIS. Yeah. There's, there's one other aspect to the, so, the social game aspect that, that I think I introduced to the game that I really like, and that's the Aeneas rule. Yeah. Um, yes. There's nothing worse. There's nothing worse if you're in a game with a bunch of people and bang, you're out after the first, second, or third move, and you got nothing left to do but go watch TV or go play on a computer or something. Uh -huh. And so we introduced this rule to allow people to get back in the game if either they've made a horrible mistake or they've just been screwed over by everybody. I mean, it, mm -hmm. it happens. And it happened to me. And well, of course, I did that on purpose because I was developing the game. But I mean, I think it's a, a, a neat idea. Um, Fred, I know, had always concerns about the gaminess of it and that some of the better players could use it, you know, to an unfair advantage. And, and that's always possible, I suppose. But then I also said, well, why would you want to play with them? I mean, you know, but it's <laughs> a whole other issue. Yeah. And so we came with a compromise where you can only do it once in the game. And you have to be in last place or have nobody on the table. So either everybody's dead or you're in last place and you, know, and you can say, okay, I'm going it. But I tell people there's two aspects of the Aeneas rule. The one is like the Aeneas, just the last survivors. You start a new, you know, you, you're the ragtag battle fleet going off among the stars. Oh, that's a different one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which that's what, it's, but that's what it's based on. Battlestar Galactica is the Aww. Aeneid. Um, but is as I said, one is it lets a guy get back in the game instead of as Chris said, going to watch TV. The other thing is, you kind of think of it think of it as you're a terrorist and you're pointing up a, a, a pistol at your own head, and you're saying, "Watch out, you're next." Which means, okay, I'm down low. If you really beat me into the ground, I'm coming back. And when I come back, I'm coming back bigger and better, and I'm coming for you. Wow. <laughs> So there's a, there's, a, there's a diplomatic aspect. That's the other thing I tell about people. They say, oh, I have these cards. I've got to play them. I said, no, no, no. You don't have to play bad cards on anybody. You can use a card to help fund a wonder of the world, which is positive. 
you can use a card to pay off a loss. So if there's a plague where you lose five guys, well, you dump five cards, nobody's dead. Also, the other thing is the bluff. If you earthquake me, I'm going to volcano all over your butt. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's mutual, mutual assured destruction. Mm -hmm. Just because you have a nuke doesn't mean you have to throw it. Right. Uh, and that's, that's the other thing. I see people say, don't think you have to play these cards. The only cards that you have to play are the seven big red cards that come up, uh, which is the four big invasions. The one the time marches on, which ends in one of the epics early, uh, which helps speed the game up. Um, and then the Atlantis rises, which you put in there just kind of for fun. And so oh, they showed up. And But it, that's, a, that's the only positive one of those cards, because Atlantis pops up. Anybody around the deep sea areas gets a bonus for it. Uh, so it gives you a reason to be at sea. And then, of course, the last one, the Breath of God, the only card in the game that cannot be negated because nobody can negate God. It even says so right there on the card. Um, <laughs> And that just, and that everybody throws their hand in, uh, and you start, and then everybody gets an even number of cards, which again is meant to help the guy in last place mm -hmm. uh, and hurt the guy in first. So if I got six cards and you're only getting three, all of a sudden the breath of God comes out, woof, now we're all playing with four. Um, it's a great leavener. And I know a couple guys have written, you know, I don't like it because I, you know, I, I want to plan, I plan, and all of a sudden, then all this stuff. Down the pike, I said, no, no plan survives, survives first contact with the, with your with a gamer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, and it's and if again, if you can see, if you can can see a path to victory and start following it and keep following it that way, you know, that's one thing. But in our game, you can't. You can try, but you got to realize they're going to come at you from the left, the right, above, below, and behind. And so, as you said, uh, that is, that is the brilliance of what Chris and Mark accomplished in the design. Historically, there was chaos. When their players are flinging those cards around, that is creating the chaos of the ancient world that the civilizations had to survive in, and some of them did not. Yeah. Well, most of them did not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, most of them are, are like that one card, Sands of Time. They got buried, um, and some were still digging up. Um, just, uh, and I might add that in the next game, the ancient civil of Middle East, the Aeneas rule is going to have its equivalent with uh, the Gilgamesh rule. Ooh. I don't know if that, that's uh, very similar, that uh, a player that is behind can again come back into the game. And Laura, to get back to your point about uh, this is for kids, uh, I know Marcus and myself, we run some demonstration games, learn how to play games with very young uh, participants. I'll let Mark tell about the one with the 12-year-old, but this is one of the few games I can get my granddaughter to play. And, and she's a girl. And she's a girl, <laughs> yeah. And uh, she, uh, she, she and I were just playing this uh, past July, and she was having a blast at it. Although she didn't want to attack her old grandpa directly, but she sure as heck swung the volcanoes and the other cards at me. <laughs> But uh, we played to a 50-point game. A lot of folks complain it's a long-playing game. No one says you have to play all four of the epochs. Uh, in the case of my granddaughter, we said, okay, you know, we, we had just done sightseeing, and so let's play a 50-victory-point game. And that's exactly what she did. She got the 47 points. She could have won had she attacked and looted any of my cities. But uh, I guess she didn't want to, uh, uh, you know, be too cruel to her granddad. Uh, well, you took her. To, you, you took her to see the Rolling Stones and the, on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She, she knows what it means to be nice to Grandpa. <laughs> oh, yeah, she knows her head, but it's, 
Yeah, that, she's 16 now. She's a little too, year old, too, little too old for Disney World, but uh, she sure, we sure got a big kick going to that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Well, give me, he's done with the 12 year old. Uh, there's a convention in Maine I go to every year called Huzzah. I'm in New Hampshire, so it's just two, two hours away. And I'd, it's mostly a miniatures convention. There's some board gaming. And I had said I would run, I run one board game every uh, convention there because it's, you know, it's, I play miniatures that I play, I'll run one of my board games. So it's a sign up thing, I, you know, the six player game. And I get there to run the game, and there's two guys my age. One guy, a third guy is one of their sons, is about 40. Two guys in their 30s, and there's this 12 year old kid. And I looked at him, I said, You sure you want to play this? He says, Oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> guess who won? The 12 year old. The 12 year old. Beat the crap out of every one of these guys. Because <laughs> it, it, it's. It's like it's why I like being the Italians in World War II with miniatures. Mm-hmm. If you lose, so what? If you win, you know, woohoo! And also, they don't take you seriously. Right. <laughs> I've won more. I've, I've won more tournaments of a World War II game playing Italians than anything else because, like, oh, they're just Italians. Yeah, sure. They're, they're the Romans. <laughs> they're still here. Uh, it's like Tony Soprano, but the kid, the kid was brilliant, and I, and I didn't help him. I just explained how to play the game. And like I, I did it in Chicago. I was in Chicago uh, last month um, for a week to see my old friend, and we went to, to a gaming store twice. I went once, like well, then they invited us back, and I ran two games for new guys. And I said to the first guy, I said, "You have a timer on your watch." He says, "Yeah." I said, "Set it to five minutes. When you get when you get to five, it hits five minutes. You tell me to stop talking." I explained and talked to the game to them in four minutes and, th- and forty five seconds. Nice. And from then on, all I had to do was clarify something. What does this actually mean? Oh, yeah, okay, now I understand. It's extreme. I mean, the the rule book is 24 pages, but 12 of it is pictures. Mm-hmm. You set up a two, three, four, five, six-player game. Then there's the cover, the, the, the rear cover, the table of contents. So the actual rules are less than 10 pages of the rule book. The, the playbook, yeah, that's 60-some-odd pages. The, the solitaire rules, how to play solitaire, this is longer than the rule book. Mm-hmm. That's a, we put a lot of work into the solitaire. This solitaire is is very detailed, um, and it says okay. And, and, and when it's the solitaire player's turn, you can play either one on one against the the, the 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 system, or you can play like many games we've had. There'll be two of us, and the third person is run by the system. So you can have a six player game with only like two human people, because the rest of them are run by the system. And the system tells you, looking at it, it says, if this, do this. If this, do that. And it's in three sections. One is its basic def- its basic core system. It will always do these things regardless. It will always build up its home base, protect its, mm-hmm. its butt, and you try to get points. And then, depending on how, if it's a hostile or a friendly civilization, uh, not friendly being a generic, you know, just like non- non-hostile, actually. If it's non-hostile, it keeps up that. If it's hostile, it goes after you. Mm-hmm. And then it has a, a system for playing cards. It has a, a it, it, you, you see the the non-player's cards face up, so you have to eliminate the that you have to see them right. in order to do it, you know, in um, solo. But there's a priority system of which cards the 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 the, 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 the NPC will play. So you, in the order in which they'll play, and if they have a negate card, which negate cards, you know, there can stop certain bad things. Some can stop all bad things. Some can stop only certain bad things. If you play a card. And the NPC has a negative, has a negate card. You can't trick him into playing a little, you know, disaster on him and having him block it. Uh, it's a fifty-fifty chance that he'll do it. 
Interesting. So he won't always, if, if it's your last card to play on him, he will play it. If it's you, if you have other cards in your hand that can hurt, it's a 50, 50, whether he'll play it or not. So we tried to build in a good solitaire thing. Um, and there are seven historical scenarios that are designed as solitaire games, um, to cover uh, solitaire war games, which you can play with two, three or four people or more, uh, like the, Alexander the Great, um, the Persians and the Greeks, God Kings of Egypt, um, uh, Hannibal, um, Tomorrow, Fall of Rome. Fall of Rome, you know, which you can play either with people or solitaire or a combination. Uh, and then there's 24 different setups possible that we just list. Uh, and, and among other, you know, like suggested setups, mm-hmm. you know, so if you have four people, you can play four corners or you can play half of the map and, 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 and really go into a little cockpit and fight yourself to death. <laughs> um, you know, because the less, the, the more the map you use, the more you can spread out. If you use a half map or a three quarter map, you're going to be fighting each other and competing very early. Right. Um, and then we also have an exploration scenario where it starts out, there's nothing on the map. You start build your civilization, and you go you out looking and see what you find. And you see if you and if you might run into the Romans, you might run into the Egyptians, you might just run into a whole bunch of crap, you know, or nothing. Right. Um, so you can get a, an exploration game going. So we've tried to put a lot of we've put a lot. This is not just one game. You got you get this game, you're getting a lot of uh, games, not just one. There's a lot to package, and this is the thread I just wanted to interject for the purposes of people listening to the podcast that the solitaire system market described does not use flowcharts. No flowchart. I know a lot of the coin games have flowcharts. This is not. This is basically just go decisions, a priority to run down the list, and that is what you do. Uh, also, a lot of fun to be had by playing just a two-player game. Mark and I have done this a few times, and then you intermingle non-player civilizations. And if you're real masochist, it can be just two people, and you pick three non-player civilizations, the two live human players are going to have a tough time against this system in surviving. I don't know if you want to interject anything, Mark, from our experiences with that. Um, yeah, basically, if, if, if I play against one NPC non-player civilization, it's going to be a good game. If I play against two, I'm, I'm worried. If I play against three, it's, just, it's, just, it's how much am I going to lose by? Interesting. Um, you know, and uh, the um, other thing is, that you can you can mix and match. So you can have like said so like like Chris and I could play Rome and, and, and Carthage, and the non-player could be, could be um, Macedon, you know, or um, which is which is played by the um, Mycenaeans, or they could be the Gauls, and you know who knows what could happen with that. So we've tried to mix it up a lot, but we have a there is a, a vassal uh, beta version up which we've used to play test. Okay. Um, which I think will be very helpful for people, especially those who want to do um, solitaire and, and use a whole bunch of stuff because you can, you can, you know, with the vassal, you can just put stuff up and it's on the, it's, it's on your screen. You can save it. Right. Um, I don't know if they've released released it yet for the public. I think uh, Vez is it's still not quite ready for prime time. Not yet. Yeah, yeah, because because if it's it has to be, you know, the last things have to be tweaked to so the art matches, you know, the art and all that stuff. Right. So we have about three minutes left of the scheduled hour. Um, and we, we, Laura and I are certainly happy to continue talking, but if y'all need to drop off, we understand and appreciate that you spent some time on your Labor Day weekend with us. Um, if you could say something to a parent who's considering buying this game to play it with their kids, 
um, at least in terms of a, a, a benefit you might hope that um, families playing this would derive or um, anything along those lines? Is there, is there any way you would want to kind of sum up the game and, and why, to, why a family would want to play it? Chris, well, why don't you go Fred. with that? Well, this is Fred. I thought I'd well, talk. Go ahead, Chris. I don't have children, so <laughs> I'm going to beg off to Mark and Fred. <laughs> this is Fred. Uh, as it was cited before, this is a very much a social game. And because the mechanics are so simple, I've done many demonstrations, hobby stores with a bunch of Euro gamers just to get them around the table, explain the game, and off they go. It provides a, a venue for a kind of social act interaction uh, with young and old or kids who are all the same age that you can't really emulate readily through the video games that so many of the kids spend their time on. Mm -hmm. It is a dynamic type of environment. And it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun with the bluffing. It's a lot of fun. And you don't spend time learning the rules. The rules are easy. It is applying those rules, applying your knowledge, you know, negotiating. Those are things that are not readily taught at school, but they can be taught and enjoyed within the environment of ancient civilization of the inner city. There's a lot of history here. This game is, 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 is a lot of history in here. If you set up the fall of Rome and you play it, you can see how Rome fell. You can see the waves. Of the, if you if you want to see how how Egypt grew, or um, you know how the rise of Rome, you put this thing out there and you can visually see it. And you can, you look at the map and you can see why things happened, and you can learn some geography, uh, and you can see why. Okay, this is who the, who these people are and where they're from and what they did. You can see the Phoenicians are great sea traders and they gave us the alphabet. You can see. Uh, you can build the wonders of the world. You can you learn, and everything in there is every card, every civilization, every part of the map is history. Mm -hmm. And it's it's if at the very least you can show the history, or you can talk about the history. You can use it as a teaching tool. You can put the board up there, put pieces down. Say, this is what the Roman Empire looked like. This is what the the um, the, the Gauls did. This is where Carthage. You, you can you can. It's a good visual aid. It's a good starting point. You want to know more with this? Here, read this book. Yeah. You know? Excellent. And it's a, it's a light kind of history. It's an accessible kind of history. And those uh, youngsters who are interested, it can be a door opener to learn more. Well, like for example, my son, uh, who's 28 now, he's a war gamer and a board and a miniature gamer. He paints, he puts 28 colors on one figure and one drop of blood. Literally, every figure he paints has a drop of his blood on when he was a little kid, from playing the games with, with us, he knew what a cataphract was. He knew that a dragoon wasn't a little dragon. Nice. Uh, you know, uh, and my daughter, who's 35, when she was three years old, said to me, Daddy, you make a game for me someday. That game is Princess Ryan's uh, Space Marines, which became Princess Ryan's Star Marines with Avalon Hill, and which is also a novel. Um, so my kids in game, I've been game like I still game with my daughter uh, once a week. I go to her place and we lay out a, a, a game for a couple couple games for an hour. I still game with my son once a month. Uh, I wouldn't. I mean, they're, they're my best gaming pals. Well, you know this this is uh, does set up the next uh, a version of the game, and uh, you know we can do it with dragons and elves and you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
why the hell not? <laughs> yeah, with that, with that, I'm going to have to go. I've got an appointment. I really appreciate what you all have done here, and I hope this works out really well for you. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Appreciate your time. Have a happy Labor Day. Thank you. Right. Happy Thank Labor you. Day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, right. Chris. You still got Mark and I here if you want to uh, keep carrying Okay. On. I yeah, I can, I can, I can, I can stick around for a while. And I'm Irish. Um, I mean, I had a teacher <laughs> in high school. I had a teacher in high school, and I, I made up this. I wrote this paper up, and I made up most of the stuff in it. And my teacher looked at me and says, "Mr. McLaughlin, I would, I should hit you in the mouth for this piece. But if I did, my hand would come out ringing with bullets." <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, I can talk forever. And I, I can, so when you guys get tired of talking to me, let me know. Because my, cause my okay. wife's doing some stuff, so she's, ha she's happy. She's, she's busy, and in in she has her office. We both work at home, um, so she has her office. She's doing stuff. I mean, Labor Day is, is – there's no such thing as a, a week – what's a weekend uh, you know, for us? I mean, we, you know, we, we take a day off to do stuff, of course, but, I mean, every day we do some work. Uh, I always have I'm, – I'm a journalist – I've been a freelance journalist for over 40 years. I was a stay-at-home uh, dad for both of the kids, um, and oh, wow. uh, I, I and I worked. I worked. They go to school. I'd work, um, and I was also the soccer coach. And the, I was a Girl Scout leader, uh, and a Cub Scout leader. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So um, but so I spent a lot of time with kids, and I would run Dungeons and Dragons games for my son and his friends. And I still remember one of my proudest moments in gaming with my son was when he was 14 and he comes and we're playing games and he comes to me and says, dad, we all like playing games with you, but can I ask you a favor? So what's this? He says, dad, when you're there at the table, they all look to you to answer things and do things. But if you're not there, they look to me. So I knew when to take a back seat. Oh. And I was very proud. Um, and, uh, I always played, you know, army men and, and, you know, shoot marbles out of cannons and stuff with my son when he was little. And I remember he was six and I was going to go to, um, StarCon, a big miniature convention in Pennsylvania, what Fred's talked about. And my son comes down the stairs and this is like before dawn and he's got his little, uh, little, uh, Batman jammies and his Batman slippers and his, uh, Yankees cap, um, and his, you know, New York giants, you know, cuddly blanket and his little stuffed dog. What you doing, Dad? You're going to go play army men with your friends for a week. <laughs> Gee. I said, wake up your mom, have her pack a bag. Uh, and it's the best decision I ever made. Cool. I used to go to a convention. I used to go to a convention, and I would not sleep. I would not eat. I would do the midnight madness. I would do the morning games. I mean, I would go. I'd get nine, ten games in in three days. I didn't care. You know, I go with my son. We'd go down there, we'd stop, we'd have a bite to eat. We'd play some miniature golf. We'd play a game together. We'd go, um, out to, we'd all get, go get a, go to pizza. We'd come back, we'd paint some soldiers together, we'd watch a movie. And over the years, as he got older, we gained more and more. And eventually I started taking his one or two of his friends with him. So mm -hmm. finally, by the time he was in, in high school, I'd, have, I'd bring down four kids, four, four boys. And I go to the convention, and I'd help make them get settled. And I say, okay. And I'll, I, we'd set up times to meet, and they play more games than I did. Wow. Um, 
and my son still goes to convention. He would have been in Novag this weekend, which is his, his, his which is one, one of his favorites. Um, and he's he, he has his own podcast, by the way. He and his friend Dan um, Cam Hammer. It's a forty k podcast. Ooh. But his fiance is modest too. Yeah, but, was also fun at these conventions. He would be running for the little kids, for the young youngsters. I mean, the ten years old, the Princess Ryan Space Marines tournament, and you would do it with such drama and flair. I remember uh, on Sunday when you would run those things, you would hear all the little kids cheering, Princess Ryan Space Marines, and uh, it was a joy, as as well as it was a kind of daycare for the parents that Mark would teach the kids in games. Right. But also prepare them for the hobby. When yeah. they got a little older and can play. With I, I can't tell you how many. I can't tell you how many conventions I go to. And somebody says to me, "I played your game when I was little." My friend Bill Greenwald. I moved here to to, to Peterborough four years ago, and I met Bill um, about three years ago. I met him because his son played Princess Ryan at one of those historicons. Oh wow. And you know, I'm other another guy here, Mike Payne, who runs a, a thing called Hang High, which is like a 1920s Pulp Fiction, most of our kids. He did it because he saw me doing Princess Ryan. Huh. Um, we've been a long time. And I, I, what I used to do with the kids is, um, I used to say, okay, I will take little kids, but if they if they if they're under 10, they've got to have either an older sibling or a parent or somebody just around. They don't have mm-hmm. to play the game. But I just need, because I said, I want to be able to focus on the kids. And I don't want kids standing around doing nothing and waiting. I said, if you, you know, so that I want somebody there for them. Um, they were, if, if they could read and all that, I was fine. But anybody under 10, I wanted somebody around because it kind of helped, you know. Maybe, um, but I used to say to them, what I would do is I would go to one of the game rooms next door. And I'd say to one of my friends, you know, look, tell you what, in about 30 minutes, when you hear us yell Princess Ryan Space Marines, I want you to come out and be angry and tell us to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and then I tell the kids to do it louder. <laughs> oh, we used to so much. We used to so much fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, I. It wasn't, so much as, it wasn't so much as a game as it was an experience. Right, and that made it a real a, a, a lot of fun, and that really sent, set a good backdrop, Mark, as you just pointed out, uh, for getting these youngsters eventually to become gamers like ourselves. Yeah, yeah. excellent. Uh, how old are you? Yeah. So our six uh, of the of the six, uh, we've our oldest is sixteen. Uh-huh. Um, we've got a thirteen-year-old. Um, 12, 12, nine, seven, and five. You poor dear. <laughs> <laughs> They're fun, there's a special, but there's a special place in heaven for you. You're all set. <laughs> my, um, now my aunt, my aunt Peggy, who just passed away, she had six boys, which is oh, like, wow. oh my God. Uh, are yours all boys or you mix? We have one girl. She's, she's not one girl? right in the middle. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh God! <laughs> okay, I, uh, my 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 cousin Bobby, who gets married every four years to somebody new, is like trading in a Buick. Um, <laughs> he, the last woman he married, she has five brothers. They're all New York City firemen or cops. Wow! And they at the, at the bachelor party when I went to, they took him aside and they said, "You know, Bob, we know your history with women." If you think you're going to divorce our sister, 
we're going to cut your head off. We don't mean the one above your neck. <laughs> um, so she's got protection. She's got, she's got, she's, this girl's, she's got her, she's got an, she has her own militia. Um, uh, but they, my kids, of course, are grown, and um, you know my, my daughter um, lives about an hour away, and uh, her her guy has two little kids, um, a four year old girl and a nine year old boy, and the little girl just absolutely adores my the little boy likes my my daughter. He plays they play games together, mm-hmm. board games and card games, and the little girl just adores my daughter. Um, and uh, my son, um, he's going to be married in October. Uh, his, we were at a funeral yesterday because his um, mother-in-law to be suddenly just dropped dead. Oh dear. 50, 54 years old. She's baking cookies, 54 years old. She was baking cookies. Boom. Uh, so I don't know if they're ever going to have kids or not, but you know, and my daughter has some medical issues. So this may be the only one she has. I don't know. You never know. Right. Um, but I had so much fun with both of them. And the one thing that I tell my wife, we used to have this big house. Fred's been there. Um, in Connecticut, which was 4,500 square feet. Wow. It had 43 43 interior doors. I mean, you could go hide and seek forever there. (laughs) And and we always had kids over. My children are seven years apart. So they both got to be an only child for a while. And and on Fridays, I would go to the grocery store because my son would bring home two, three, four guys who would Mm -hmm. spend the whole weekend. And then on Sunday, I'd go to the grocery store again. Uh, to, to make up with it. But the thing, yeah. my, my wife and I both loved it. But we both, what we both missed, I think now, most of all, is the music of girls and the noise of boys. Because <laughs> girls laugh and giggle and they have fun. Boys are pound, 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 bang, 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 yeah, screaming, break. <laughs> you know, and the t- when you hear glass cracking, you know, okay, okay what, what do they break now? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. Uh, we, we were yeah, out so. one day shopping and some guy saw us and noticed how most of the clan was boys. I was like, ah, you know how to repair drywall, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> don't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> We've gotten really good at repairing, repairing sheetrock around here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I, I can't tell you how many times in my house in Canaan, you know, the, one of them would like throw a or throw a punch and bang, be a hole in the wall. Um <laughs> And uh, yeah, and or like or the when I went up Ben, you go to my to my wife, Mrs. McLaughlin, Mrs. McLaughlin, I didn't mean to break that. <laughs> oh wow! And I would I would say nobody plays Nerf in the dining room. <laughs> right. <laughs> when you know, there's one. When we get all of ours uh, together with their friends, I'll I'll run a and D game for them, um, and we'll have nineteen PCs in the adventuring party because wow. I've got nineteen players between the ages of five and eighteen around the table. Good um, God! And it's it's just a blast, and we'll you know I'll I'll put on some some music when we take breaks, and about every forty five minutes, I let all the little people get up and go run around and. The, the, yeah, oh, we have to. Yeah, want to stand around and be cool, and you know, we'll 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 grill up stuff on the grill or or make spaghetti and whatnot, and and everybody just has a good time, and um, so yeah, I I I I definitely get it with you. You, you the 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 number of children then grows kind of geometrically as yeah. the friends get pulled into the gaming environment. Well, well, um, well, Fred, Fred still plays with his son. His son is a chef. 
uh, and Michael um, plays with, with Fred all the time. You know, and, Michael. And, let me. Say, Michael is. Uh, I've been gaming oh, oh for many many years, and he's in the playtest credits for all the games that uh, that uh, Mark and I have done. But when I play with my son, he is a rules lawyer, and he's hyper competitive. Ah. So he likes to be, he likes to beat dad. And sometimes he'll find something that is genuinely wrong with the game as we're, as we're playtesting it. I say, oh, good catch, Mike. I'm changing rules. He gets yeah, he's really good at that. Yeah. He gets ticked off. What do you mean you're changing rules? You just want to win. <laughs> <laughs> no, son. No, you want to win. That's what you're changing that rule for. <laughs> no, the, the, the best playtesters are not the guys who say, I love this game. It was great. The best playtesters say, I like this game, but I broke it. Yeah, and because when they find something, because I'd rather have a play tester find something that's broken, than it come out, uh, and you know, two months later, this game is broken, and goddamn if he's right, you know, we're just like, oh. <laughs> so I'd rather have, you know, because um, because again, you cannot, you can't see everything, no matter how many times you play a game, uh, especially something unless it's a really simple game, even then sometimes, you can't have. Every you can't recreate every possible outcome or situation, that and there's bound to be something that sneaks in somewhere. Um, so it's good to it's good to have that come out in play testing. Um, but we're going back to the kids. I, you, I, I'm you, stating no, no no games no design survives contact with the play testers. No, it doesn't. You know? Yeah. And and, and also I, I said any game designer. I'm also I'm a journalist. I'm a writer. I would never work working without an editor is like working without a net. It's like flying the Enterprise and leaving Scotty behind. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I know there are some designers who think that they write with the finger of God with lightning bolts in letters of gold on stone. Wow. No, 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 no. no. Uh, you know, because, I mean, as I said before earlier on, even when I write something, I have, like, I have, I'm a novel now right now, and I have an editor in Greece who did two edits of it, which was good, and Chris is proofing it uh, two chapters a day. Uh, he's a great proofreader looking. I mean, he's looking for little tiny things, not the, the stuff an editor looks like. Um, but same with Fred, with Fred with the, the game designs. He's a very, very good editor, um, and Chris is, again, a good proofer and a good editor as well. But, you know, we, we, we each have our division. Um, I, to paraphrase Blanche Dubois, all uh, depends upon the kindness of editors. <laughs> uh, you know, because, uh, yeah, so that's why, like, you know, right up there, like Fred's names, you know, a lot of people, they put their editor or developer in the very in the back of the credits. Um, Fred and I, I've had, Fred, what, you, your name has been on every box we've ever done together. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think Napoleonic Wars, you, you, you were, Greenwood, Greenwood was still the lead guy, so you were in the back of that. But everything else that. is, your name's been on the cover. Um, I appreciate that. It makes oh, I, 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 no, I appreciate it. I mean, yeah, you know, my wife is not a gamer, but uh, I say when I go to these conventions, or you know, and I'm sure you'll attest to that too, Mark. You, you're like a celebrity, being a designer and a developer of games when you go to the WBC or another gaming convention. Uh, we're 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 a slightly larger fish in a in a small pond. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I mean, what he's saying is true in 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 our in our circle. I mean, I go to a, con a game convention that if I went to Gen Con, I'd be lost. Um, and Gen Con scares the hell out of me. It just overwhelms me. It's like going into Home Depot. Um, <laughs> this giant cavernous box filled with people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 
so if I go to Gen Con, I mean, I'm very small. I mean, you know, there'll be a few guys if I'm at a booth, they'll see me. But if I go to like the, the World Board Gaming Convention, which is like all board gamers and, and you know, a lot of mine are being played there, or even if I go to a miniatures convention where people know of me, yeah, I'm a little bit of a celebrity um, in that respect. But um, once, once in a while, somebody will buy me a drink. Um, although you said I want to standing at a table to a round. Uh, that's kind of what you do. Um, the other thing is, I also know that when I go to a convention, they're all going to they're all going to get me. Yeah, because no, they, they, it's like you know, I sit down whether it's my game or even any game. It's like I'm going to get him. Take <laughs> <laughs> you know. the target on your forehead. Yeah, it is. It's a, they wear like a badge on their on their arms. Like yeah, I beat my clock on it. <laughs> I remember in particular at WBC, the World Board Gaming Championships. There are a bunch of guys that are really really good friends of ours. Fred knows them. I always used to run the tournaments and never play them because I didn't want to play in my own tournament. I always felt that the guy who's running a tournament shouldn't play in it. You know, uh, it's unfair. And they said, look, we want you to play in a game. Well, the last game was going on and people are playing that. We want to have just a personal game, just you and us, right? It was a setup. Oh. It was Napoleonic Wars. And of course, they wanted me to be Napoleon. You know why? Because everybody else fights Napoleon. <laughs> uh, and they made it. It was one of the best guys I've ever played because I couldn't make a deal with anybody. I couldn't, make, you know. Um, it just, they, they had they had decided beforehand. They had worked out a strategy beforehand. They, you know, they 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 were out there. It was, you know, you know, Fred, you know the guys, John Emery, um, and, and oh yeah, uh, Castleberry, and those guys. And it, it was a lot. But I thought I took it as such a compliment. Mm-hmm. You know, because um, I. When I play a game, it's I used, to, I used to tell my soccer kids, I, used to, I coach soccer, it's not whether you win or lose, it's what you get for snack. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, as I said, any game you go into to win, you know, only to win, at least half the time, probably more, it's not, not going to be good. Right. Go into a game to have fun, you're always coming out a winner. Yeah. You know? That's the key thing. So, um, and I mean, as I said, like, yeah, I go to a, you know, a game. I just want to, I would rather lose in an absolute epic disaster mm-hmm. than, 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 win, than win an overwhelming victory. Seriously. Yeah. I would rather be Custer at the Bighorn than Hitler in Poland. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and that, that comment about fun really, really seems a good note to end on. Uh, I'd love to continue this, but the oh, no, it's, 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 no, it's a long day. We've been on the phone for 90 minutes. You know, yeah, I said, you know, any, any longer than this, you're going to have to buy me dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I love the opportunity. Right. Thank you so very, very much. Um, oh. I really appreciate you, you spending your labor day talking to a bunch of old farts, you know, like us, you know, um, Really, I really appreciate it, and thank you very much. And the best of luck to you. And you know, if I may borrow a term from Fred, with all your kids, Mazel Tov. Um, thank you. But uh, and from my side, being Irish, a blessing upon you all. Uh, <laughs> so, all right. Well, thank you again very, very much, and I uh, look forward to seeing your podcast. Please send me the link so I can uh, tell everybody else about it. Will do. I want my granddaughter Emily to be able to hear about the, that she was mentioned in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that, same with us. So, thank you very much, and have a good Labor Day. All right, thank, thank you, you, you as well. All right, bye bye. Bye bye. 
Hello, everybody. Laura here. I hope you enjoyed the rest of that interview. We had such a fun time talking with them. And seriously, we would love at some point to get a chance to sit down at them with the, at a table with them and just talk for hours about games. I think the thing that struck me as I listened to this, as I was doing my editing pass, is, again, the replayability of this game, the there's so many ways you can play it and so much flexibility so that you're not going to get bored. It's not going to be the same game twice. Um, what it offers as a place at the table where you can play with your kids and explore so many different aspects of the ancient world um, is huge. But I think what's even bigger was the point about the social games. I think the number of times that they mentioned the connections with family with friends that came through games and with this game in particular, what it offers for making those connections is really the take home from my standpoint. So I hope you all enjoyed listening to this interview. We had a blast and I hope you did too. All of the games that were mentioned uh, today can be found in the show notes. Um, but now we would like to hear from you. Um, please write to us at playedpod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at PlayEdPod or uh, follow our Facebook page at PlayEdPodcast. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>